I didn't start the fire, but the burning, yearning, and the yearning, burning. I didn't start the fire, but the burning, yearning, and burning, yearning. B.B. Bumble and the Stingers, Martha Hoople, Rachel Singers, Lonnie Mack and Twang and Eddie. Here's my ring, we're going steady. Nixon, Carter, uh, Falkland Islands, Johnny Carson, 9-11, Sopranos, Sopranos 9-11, Iraq. No, Iraq, 9-11, Sopranos. Uh, Nothing. Shlomazel. House and Pepper Incorporated. The fire. And that's the fire. The fire's culture. The fire's all the things that happen in history. And it's leading up to me and you. And history is leading to me and you. Now we're the history of the future. And our descendants are. What are they? I can't say the word. On the radio. Not doomed. Who knows what, uh. This is going to happen, what will happen on the world when we are gone. There's no way of telling or preparing for that. There is a little bit, I guess. Oh, my friends, welcome. I'm going to discuss today about making out an ethical will for you. That's not just a regular will of money that's ethical, although you can do that too if you want. Say, I'm going to leave my money to my child who's I feel like is the more moral one who makes the better decisions. No. Not that, but a uh, legacy of what you value, so your ethics. We don't ever talk about that word anymore because people have forgotten what it means. Also, uh, the word morals, they have bad connotations now, you know. Say, oh my goodness, don't moralize to me. And, and you think, well, I just was asking you not to murder, but you do. Everybody should really make their own decisions and then, or try to. And then I'll try to stop you if I don't like it, maybe. Because I have an army. No, I have to make agreements with other people. And so I try to do that. And I let, to, let them know what my values are, though, just so they know when they're making agreements with me. You know, that I say, oh, that Hardy, he loves peace and harmony. And he loves cooperation and understanding. He likes to think things through. He's not afraid of complicated things. He's not afraid to do a little uh, mental work when it comes to doing the right thing. He doesn't mind that things are shades of gray or rather every shade of every color there is. And that's how we, uh, we achieve justice is by seeing as clearly as possible. And how do we do that? We put on glasses. How do we put on glasses? We go to a lens grinder. Uh, have you... We have one on the corner of Lens Grinder. It's called Lens Grinders. And I thought, that's really bold, because that sounds like very ancient. And who's the best one that we know? Well, Benedict Baruch Spinoza, or Baruch Butch Spinoza. Are they the same person? Well, you can be a philosopher, and that is a way of making a lens. You are a sort of lens maker. Say, so I want you to see the world through this lens I made, put these glasses on, you go, everybody looks fat or thin or wavy or something, or they look in focus is ideal, but you can make it look any way you want. And they have different colored glasses. They have rose-colored glasses where all the world looks rosy. I just think it looks saturated in blood. Look, there's been blood's been poured over the lens, like one of those campy 60s horror movies. No, they have other glasses that are yellow. And these are ironically called blue blockers. And they used to be very popular on television when I was a child. I'd be watching television late at night and think, I wish the Three Stooges would come back on. And then there'd be an advertisement and there'd be a fella, there was a fella in a sombrero rapping about blue blockers. And I looked it up recently to see that I wasn't imagining it and he has a name and everything. But he was like, uh, blue blockers are so nice. About blue blockers, I like, I will spice, he said. So I didn't, I'd never heard that as uh, spice as, a, as being a, a word for, for rapping or talking about her. But now I work it into my vocabulary. So I'm going to spice about this. I don't know if it's really true or he was just looking for a rhyme and grabbed it. I don't know. I'm that way with real spices. 
Do you do that with your cooking? Say, I'm just going to look in the cabinet, say, I don't want my cooking to be bland. I'm going to go in this spice cabinet and I'm going to grab something. And you go in there and you look and make sure what you grab isn't poison. Now, I'm, this is an, an analogy I'm making. Because a lot of times when we go to spice things up, we grab poison. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm kidding. I mean, literally. Um, I really don't have that much poison in my spice cabinet, but I do have some uh, of that salt that you use to make brisket or, or, or pastrami. And that is very, that is kind of, uh, that's kind of poisonous. So, um, but no, it's uh, sodium nitrite or something like that. And it's this pink salt. I think you can kill living things with it too. I wouldn't want to do that. But you use it to make pastrami. And I haven't really had any uh, call to make pastrami in so long. I wonder why I'm keeping it. Isn't that funny? Because you don't know. It might be in the secret ingredient and in, in something else. Say, what do you... We're going underground, and we've got to fight against the tyrants, and uh, we need to make a salami bomb, but we need this, this preservative. Do you have it? So I have the fertilizer, and yes, I also have the sodium nitrite or nitrate or whatever, and uh, we can use that, and that will soften the sausage. So it'll make room for the rest of the explosives for the exploding sausage, which is some, boy, I'm giving away a lot. Because in the future, the big deli revolution of uh, 28, 21, and that's what they do. There's exploding cheeses. Oh, it's terrible. But really, no one's hurt. It's mostly people just got really very, very, very mad at deli, at deli food for a while there, and they're blowing up everything. Pickles and anything related to that, anything that was on a hoagie. Hoagies themselves. I don't know. People go mad. Now... In certain times in history, group madness isn't so bad. Like tulip mania, I went back in time and invested in some tulips. There was a period of time where people went crazy for tulips. They just couldn't get enough of them. And I could take or leave them, to be honest. It's not even my favorite flower. It comes out at such a weird time of the year. And um, if you're like me and you like to be nude around your flowers, it's a terrible one because it's always like, it's still cold out. Why is this? Why is this crazy flower coming up now? Back when I was young and we had seasons, um, you know, there'd be those kind of things would come up first. All the, like the bulb things that you get as gifts. Did you ever get one of those? You said, what is that? That looks like a garlic and some rocks. And they go, no, that is a paper, paper white, white paper, paper white narcissus. Which is a flower that's very delicate and it's very kind of stuck on itself. And it, uh, you put it in water and some rocks or something, and it's going to come up later. Well, thank you. Right now, it does look like it just looks like a garlic bulb sitting there in some rock water. Yeah, but wait. You wait. There's going to be one single white flower for two days a year from now, and it's going to be very exciting to you. I like anticipation. I like waiting for things. That's why I miss. I wish that you had to mail away for this show. I remember back when I was young, when you listen to the radio, you'd have to mail. You'd mail a request, say, I'd like to hear the radio. And then you'd send it in the mail. And then a person would get it on horseback, and they'd put it in a leather pouch, and they would put it over their shoulder, and they would gallop off across to all the way to the television radio station. And they'd bring that letter, and somebody would open it up, and they'd have one of those little visor hats, and they'd have rubber things on their thumb, and... And they'd look at your letter and it said, I'd like some radio and say, I'm going to give this young man, Hardy White, some radio today. And they'd write back and they'd put the radio in an envelope and they'd seal it and they'd hand it back to the Pony Express man who'd ride it across all sorts of terrain. And who knows what he was being shot at with arrows and uh, those little pepper, those uh, pepper mill guns or whatever they call that people used to shoot buffalo out of trains. They would just shoot buffalo that they weren't even hunting. They would just kill things for the sake of doing it because they had a handgun and they were on a train and they were going cross country so they would just shoot these buffalo. They just shoot things indiscriminately like that. I don't know why they'd do it. they just kill to, to kill for no reason. Can you imagine that? And then they'd, uh, they'd get to you. Oh, and you'd hear the radio. And you'd say, the radio came in the mail today. I'm so excited. 
I can't wait to turn it on. And it went something like this. Hello. I don't remember really. It would, there was more to it. And then the fellow would talk. And it would be so riveting. I wish I could convey to you the magic of radio as I experienced it as a young person. Because it was unpredictable. I think that's what I enjoyed about it. For instance, a person would come on the radio and they'd say, How are you doing this evening? Oh, it's a beautiful night out tonight. I hope it is where you are. It's clear and dark and there is a sky full of stars. And among the stars is a sort of sickening green glow. We don't know what that is. And maybe it's the end of all things, but maybe it isn't. Maybe it's the beginning of some great thing. But all that we know is that we are here tonight in the intimacy of this beautiful radio gathering. And outside is the unknown. But not here. Here we have complete control over what we're going to do. And what we're going to do is we're going to do the unexpected. And then he plays a song. He plays a song. And the way I found out later what, you do, what they would be doing is that the whole time they're talking to you, they're not paying attention to what they're saying. They're actually putting on a record. And they set the needle up and then they put the needle on there and then they wind. They hear it. You don't hear this, but they hear the record first. And they, they wind it back until the, they don't hear anything. And then they go another quarter turn. And these are the kind of turntables. And then press stop. And these are the kind of turntables you just press a button and it goes. It goes. It doesn't have to wind up. It doesn't have to do that. It's just right at speed in 15 seconds. I mean 15 in a quarter turn. <laughs> I'm, making it, I'm making it like a clock. And so I'd go, you know, coming up. Rush. And that's how they do it. I don't mean to take away the magic. Some of it is still magic. And there will be radio stations to this day. I know this sounds crazy. But there are popular radio shows. A lot of them are late night ones. Where it's just an individual and a microphone and you. And it's being broadcast from a studio. Now, you assume there's a living human being there. What is it, an AI robot? No. It's a regular analog microphone, just like this one. But no, there's nobody there. It's a ghost. Is it a ghost? It is a ghost. A lot of what you hear late at night are ghosts. And you can't prove they're live human beings, especially the ones that you never see. And you never used to be able to. Before the Internet, now they've got pictures and everything that go with people. That is cheating. I wish no one had ever seen my face. And you may not have. That's the beautiful thing, too. You still may not have ever seen my face. You think you have. Well, I've seen you speak. You think you have seen me speak. No, 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 no. There's, like, really a lot of video. Do you... Is there... And is that me? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I am so far beyond being able to, to, to undo some realities. I think I probably could, though. Um, I'm not sure I'm me. So I could, do, I could go about it that way. So I've never been me. And often I do feel, especially on the radio, as if I'm being possessed by some sort of spirit. Mental illness? No, that's not really a spirit. I don't like to use that word. Uh, I, I've, we're, all, we're all different, and we're all made different. We all have different experiences. And if you add uh, all those different experiences to all the different ways we're wired, you get all sort of different behavior and things like that. And that just makes the world a wonderful different palette of colors, a lot of which clash and give you a sick feeling, others harmonize and give you a beautiful feeling of uh, joy or contentment or something. You know, colors can do a lot. And we live in a world that is getting progressively more colorless. It's a shame. I, I don't know why everything wants to blend in. Have, please, bear with me for a moment. We are 
in an era where our favorite color is camouflage. Now, isn't that say something about your psychological? What's your favorite color? Blending in so that I can't be seen. Uh, your favorite color can't be invisibility. I mean, that's interesting, and that's another thing, but I think this goes with architecture, with everything. And one, you can barely see this. Look at this building. It's uh, the same colors as earth and just blending. You can't even see it. Well, I see it. You know, why don't we paint it some interesting color? But that is not done very often. And uh, the same with our clothing. You know, uh, bright clothing is discouraged. People dress in very muted tones. And when they don't, they're being flamboyant or something. Right, and we do. I guess uh, even our uh, everything could be more colorful. And I don't know why. I guess if you if you are engaging in guerrilla warfare, yes, you want to look like leaves, or you're hunting deer. You know, yes, you want to smell like urine. But I think that otherwise, let's not have things blend in. If you're going to build a house or something, same with cell towers. Paint it pink or something. I can see it. I, I know that ain't a tree. Painting it green is not going to work. You can't paint it the color of the sky. Sky color changes all the time. Paint it something different. Some big thing, big, a big, crazy, bright red thing. You know, I might forget it's a cell tower for a minute and say, that, what is that wonderful thing that's clearly man-made? Not everything has to be fake natural. You know, I'm all for trees being... Uh, Fake trees being purple. It doesn't bother me. Oh, I love the colorful and the unexpected. Oh, I love to be surprised. Boo! Oh! Oh! Not like it startled me. Oh! I'm very easily startled. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've come out of my sh little shed area, which is right by the carport, where I haven't been almost killed by a politician or, or somebody soliciting uh, a weed service or something. Not that kind of weed service, but we don't have that in Kentucky. But they'll sneak up on me and they'll say, well, how are you doing today? And that, and I will shriek. I don't know why I startle so easily. Um, I guess it's as my senses become a little more diminished because my hearing isn't great and my vision isn't great or anything. So it is, it's more, it's easy now to sneak up on me. And it does, I do, I'm jumpy. I'm a jumpy something-something uh, anyway. So I guess that's it. I try to be, I'm chill with people, but I am, I'm startled by noises and things like that. And if you'd say, well, you, is it trauma? No, I don't think so. I think I just, I think I came that way. Um, I could, my mother's like that too. What is that? <laughs> it's okay, mom. It's nothing. So we're just a startling. You know, some breeds of dog are like that too, you know, and I'm that kind. And it doesn't uh, size. It's not a size. Little dogs, big dogs. There's big dogs that are easily startled too. So I have a dog that doesn't like thunder and fireworks and one that really does not care. I have uh, my beagle. If a firework tasted like bacon, it would just it would eat it as it was exploding. So the that trumps everything. But the other dog is a little more affectionate and a little more sensitive, and she she does not like the loud noises or anything like that. She f constantly feels like we're she's very very aggressive until I want her to be. I say, "Come on, we're going outside. There's a you got to get this rat." And she'll no 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 no. But she'll chase everything like that she thinks that she doesn't have a chance of getting. But she won't get stuff for me. So bless her heart. I, I don't have to. They don't have to be useful. That's not why they're in my family, my little dogs. I don't make them work or anything. But occasionally, anybody living in your house got to do a chore now and then. That's the way I feel. Just do the dishes. The dogs can't do the dishes. So please do something. Scare somebody off or a thing. You know, but they, there was some ducks visiting and they wanted to scare those off. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't scare the ducks off. But, you know, possum. Oh, no, scary. 
I'm glad of that, though. I don't want them near any... Well, possums are often not uh, rabid because of their very low body temperature. Possums have a very low incident of rabies. Not so raccoons. I like saying like that, raccoon, instead of raccoon. Which is it? So the... But I, I, I avoid raccoons or raccoons. Bless them. We're... I feel like we're competing a little bit. We have similar interests. And a raccoon family is renting um, next door. I wish, I wish the people who bought the house hadn't, hadn't done that. Um, but uh, there's raccoons there now. Uh, the owners of the house are black bears. And uh, we have wildlife that owns houses here now. And it's wonderful. I don't mind it at all. I love that kind of diversity. There's a well, whistle pig family in the back. They're just wonderful. There's a lot of them. And they do. They dig. That's a thing. Chipmunks, they all dig. I love living. I love them being my neighbors. But they all have seem to have different needs. I thought of that when I was uh, visiting a house in the Georgia mountains for a while. And I'd go up there. A family member owned it. Blairsville, Georgia, and I'd go to Blairsville, Georgia, and I'd, I'd sit there, and I'd watch the deer eat all the blueberries. I didn't really do anything about it, because I thought, this feels like a losing battle, and go for it. I'm not going to pick those blueberries anyway. I feel like picking blueberries, I love blueberries, but I, uh, you know, they got to care, everything does. And so it's like having a, it's like having a, a vintage uh, Mustang Shelby or something. It's going to get stolen. So a lot of fruit and everything, I just don't bother to grow because I don't, I don't have the energy to fight others for it. And I realized that. Something was taking bites out of my tomatoes. Just take, it would take one bite and then move on. And I was like, eat the whole thing. But I gave up. I thought the ones in the store don't have bites out of them. What are you going to do? And you do spend a lot of energy fighting just your fellow uh, creatures who want something to eat, you know? And you don't want to feed them on purpose because then they, they, you know, that's like opening a restaurant. You say, you're such a good cook. Open a restaurant. No! God, just anybody can come to a restaurant. You realize that if you've ever wanted to have a bar or a restaurant or something, you go, I like people. I like making drinks or serving food. I'm going to have, I'm going to do that for a living. Well, what they don't tell you is anybody can come in and boy, they do. And then they'll take the, they'll do their best to take the joy out of your uh, joyous gift. And uh, so that's tough. It's tough. But um, I'm not saying all restaurant work is horrible or all, or the public are all awful. I'm just saying it's a percentage that you might not be willing to accept. That's all. And for a lot of people, the payoff is better than this. I just like to see people enjoy my food. And I don't feel that, that strongly about it. So I don't have to go through anything like that. Oh, my goodness. I'm, you must feel that strongly about radio. No, am I serving you something right now? I guess I am. I guess in a way, this is like coming to a restaurant. So when I, we haven't even gotten the menu. Normally on the radio, what you'd get is I'd tell you what we're offering today. What we're offering today is some super tramp. We're going to hold Super Tramp retrospective, and then we're going to move on to other uh, bands. I can't remember. I can't think of any bands. Yes, there's one. We're going to do all this. What year are you from? See, this is the problem. I, I jump around so much. I could name some um, future bands, like the, uh, the Wawa men, but you wouldn't say, they're not here yet, you know? So, But the current ones, I have trouble trouble remembering i remember like oh you know annette hanshaw or something but after that i'm not i'm not so sure i do remember all of the entertainers that are on my my mother's albums uh like johnny ray or something like that i came up i didn't think i liked music because of my mother's album collection at first i went oh i don't know if music's for me she, she did have a, a Herb Albert album that I really loved, and that, that spoke to me. But then, I don't know. I remember an album that my mother got me that I did not enjoy, and that was 
the banana splits. And this is my exact thought as a kid. I was looking at this, I was going, this is too hippie. I don't like this hippie, it's trendy hippie stuff. I didn't like it. You know, it was very, very traditional in my music tastes as a child. I was like, I'd like a good, just give me a good melody, is what I used to say as a kid. So you were kind of an old man child. I was, and I was accused of that as a kid. I was like, I don't care. I think it's when you, cause you come up with older people. Anybody who grew up with their grandparents, like in the house every day. And from the time I was a baby, it was my grandparents, uh, lived with my grandparents. And so just, and they, you know, they had, they bring even older people with them. So, you know, they had parents, sort of, and aunts and uncles and stuff. So I was surrounded by the, the ancient. So I felt like I was being youthful, you know, you know. I thought, I'm going to shock these people with my, my 20s dances. You know, wait till they see me shimmy and shake like uh, Sister Kate. They're going to they're gonna be scandalized. But then, you know, you get to... Uh, you try to fit into your own age, whatever you you uh, whatever area you're born into, and your peers. You want to fit in. Say, what do you guys like? I'll listen to that too. And they say, come on, we're listening to some some good some good devil music. You say, oh, all right, I'll get into that. But all sorts of things and world opens up to you, and things are more complicated and interesting than you ever could imagine. And now. Now you're in a world where it's completely unpredictable and it seems like there almost are no rules. Things are changing so quickly I can't get a handle on anything. When I hear something or a voice and I can't categorize it right away, if I don't know where it's coming from, if I don't know what they're saying or what I should agree with and shouldn't agree with, I become disoriented. I become confused, and the words just become sound or music to my ears. And when that happens, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what thoughts are going to enter my mind because I've swung the doors open to air the place out. I need air, and you'll open up your mind, and there I am standing with my propaganda. You don't even know what old Hardy White is propagandizing, but you feel it. You feel it because you're using something that's a little more important right now than your intellect. Oh, I am for intellect. I am not traditionally anti-intellectual. Oh, no. I cling to reason. I want to understand as much as I can because the more I understand, the more I can do good things, the more I can affect positive outcomes, the more I can combat suffering, or rather not invite suffering. And so I like to have an awareness like that. But also, I believe in feelings. I believe in letting myself experience things and let myself go places that I might not normally go. Put down my defenses. Uh, put away my fear. Allow myself to be blindfolded and spun around, sort of. And then all I can do is, is trust. Trust my, my feelings to know what's sort of menacing and, and what's just sort of challenging. What's evil and what's just different, I want to know. So I have to use my heart as well. Oh, I use it to detect things. And so I do that when I meet people. There are people that will tell you, oh, I'm compassionate, and then say the cruelest things or do the cruelest things or care very little about their actions and the outcomes of those actions and who they affect. I'm telling you that... Any fool can harden their heart. It is not a virtue to be detached and cruel. It is not a good thing to be so objective that you can cause pain in the name of an idea. 
Oh, no. You see, what should happen is that if you see someone suffering, you should think, well, wait a minute. Is this suffering necessary? During World War II, they were conserving gasoline, and they would have this ad campaign, see, because they needed gasoline for the troops. They needed it for tanks and things like that. So they'd say, is this trip necessary? Do you really have to get in that car and go somewhere? Could you not do this trip? Oh, is the trip you're on right now necessary? You're tripping. Is that necessary? I always say that to people. Say, hey, come on now. Stop your tripping. And let's, there's, and let's do another type of tripping. It doesn't need drugs. You know, you can expand your mind and have great experiences without having to, to be completely uh, inured to it, you know. You can be awake and dreaming. It's just a matter of changing your perspective a little bit. Oh, I hope that we're changing our perspective a little bit today. I got in the car one time to go on a trip. I don't know where I was going. I just got in the car, backed out of the driveway, and pulled onto a main road. And then as soon as I got to one of those roads that is like a state road with a name that sounds like a year, like 1970 or something like that, I'd hop on it. And then you go on these two-lane roads, and it gets kind of rural. Sometimes there's no houses at all. There's just trees. Sometimes there's fields on either side of you. Sometimes there's cows or horses in those fields. And I drove like that for a ways because some of these roads are very old, and they're how people got from state to state. So I'd drive for a while until I felt a reason to stop. And then I would. And that happened uh, on this occasion. I pulled over in this area that just looked like one of those uh, scenic pullover sites. But there was just woods there, kind of a rest area, New Jersey style, where you think, oh, there's going to be a toilet, but there's not. It's just a dip in the road so you can pull over and throw up. So I pulled over and I sat there. And I started to daydream a little bit. I thought, I wonder what made me pull over and sit here. There's really nothing to see. And I feel fine. And just then, the passenger side door opened. It opened and somebody got in. Somebody dressed entirely in red. In fact, they were red. Their skin was a, 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 a color red that it was I've never seen on a human being. And they were wearing entirely red clothing and what's even stranger is they smelled like cherries oh but in a fabulous way something between cherry pie and tom ford's lost cherry fragrance just gorgeous sort of a kind of a syrupy deep rich cherry smell and i said who are you cherry person and they turned to me with a cheery smile, that's my word, because I don't. they didn't say that, and said, I am the Cherry King, and I have come to you to let you know that you will have a cherry-themed experience on this trip. Well, what do you mean? Some of it will be obvious and you will encounter foods and smells that remind you of cherries. Other things will be more symbolic, like the idea that something has a stone in it, that the flesh around it can be delicious food, but there can be a hard, tooth-cracking stone in it. Some of it will be cherry-related, like the cherry stem, which can be tied into a knot with the tongue if you're skilled. Some of the things will uh, be also cherry-adjacent, like cocktails or, 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 or like songs or, yes, things with the word cherry in them. I see. I see what you're saying, Cherry King. Well, I thank you for blessing me with your presence. And, and then he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a little, what looked like a little cardboard with string on it. And he said, let me give you this air freshener. 
And this is cherry scented, obviously, and it will always remind you of our conversation and this theme of your trip, uh, which is what? The, the theme is this. There will be sweetness and there will be uh, sourness and there will be intrigue and there will be danger and there will be surprises and there will be challenges as you go along this aimless journey. Thank you, Cherry King. You're very welcome. See you soon. Goodbye. I sat there for only a few seconds before I pulled off again, and I think, oh, this is fantastic. I wonder if I will tire of this smell. Who knows? Maybe it's magic, and if I ever get tired of it, it will subside a little bit. There is a, a car wash that I go to, and they put a some sort of plastic clip on your air conditioner vent, if you want, to scent your car. And the one I always get is, is leather. And I think about the sort of awfulness of that. So it's the skin of an I want uh, it to smell like animal skin. <laughs> and what kind of barbarian am I? So I'm glad that it smells like cherries now. And uh, I want to, I want, is there one that smells like meatballs? So I didn't get that one. Uh, and so I don't get the leather anymore. But leather does have a nice a nice smell, but I don't know whether it's, I could be, it could be something tragic. What if I'm a, like a veal calf who's having a past life memory of nuzzling up to mommy? And it's just like the worst possible, oh, that's so sadder than the little match girl. So I, I do think of things that are sad. I don't keep them off of my mind. I look at things. I don't avoid feeling bad. I try not to avoid feelings. Uh, I get alarmed when I see folks who are afraid to uh, appear um, weak or, you know, wrong. That's very dangerous sometimes because, um, you know, for yourself and others, you know, sometimes you will be wrong. And to bluster through life in a foolish way. I think we're maybe it's just not enough fables. Have we not? Are we not telling enough fables or something? I feel like it's. Uh, I feel like you could do a man on the street and just convince people to chase sour grapes because they would they wouldn't know the reference and they don't know anything about that. You could get them to bet on a race between a tortoise and a hare and make a killing. Because people would go like, oh, the hare, of course. So, you know, grasshopper and the ant, you want to bet on one of them, my friend? A lot of the ancient Greeks taught us uh, one thing. They said, all this wisdom will be lost. I like to sing... Uh, documentaries where they recreate something of the words of the have an actor reading the you know and Heraclitus said this: "You shall not step in a river twice," or something you know. And then they have the philosophers say their thing: "It is a wise man who has brought forth to this." I don't know. I can't. Uh, I can't do it. But. It's dramatically recreated. You wonder if they really said it that way, or they maybe they said it like sarcastically. That'd be terrible. What if you were remembered for just all the stuff that you were? Um, Diogenes is like that. I think someone was. He's probably just being flip. But you're, oh, I think he, you know. I wonder if he really said that. Who knows? It's all tone. It's uh, well, they didn't have emojis, and I don't think there's emojis in Greek. There could be. I don't know. There's so much I don't know. But I'm going to go back and look it up. I'm going to go back and look up everything. That's my motto. I'm going to go look that up. I'm going to stop what I'm doing and go back to doing the research. And we feel like that in life a lot. Say, so I know I'm going back to school because there's no way that I know what I'm doing. i got to go. I think I need more school. And a lot of people say that about halfway through their life, 
I've been doing this thing, but now I think if I just had a little more school, I could do another thing and then everything would be fine. You really, anytime that you want to go to graduate school, you should rob a bank. Just really rob a bank because it's the same thing. It's kind of, you know, if you, if you get away with it, you get a lot of money. If you don't, what, you know, four or five years in an institution. But it's, you still come out of it not in debt, hopefully, unless you have to pay restitution or something. I don't know what you've done. But don't, I don't recommend it. I think people should go to school all the time. I, like, I think if you're not done with graduate school by the time you're 14 in today's environment, then you're probably, you should go to trade school. That's hard too, though. That they say that, oh, go just go to trade trade school. I'm nowhere near intelligent enough to fix anything in my house anymore. Literally, I can't. I can't. Everything is uh, the toilet has a computer in it, and I don't even know how to flush it anymore. You've got to do something. I had to keep turning it on and off again, or something. And it had a critical thing. I want this to go away. Delete, delete, delete. And I couldn't get, couldn't get it to work. I finally ripped the chip out of it. And then now I just have a, I've made myself a Turkish toilet that just goes into the apartment below. And um, I don't think anybody's in there. So nobody's going to notice for a while. When they go to rent it, though, there's going to, it will be problematic. I'm dumping lime in there like a maniac. I think that's going to be fine. Uh, I, there's so much about living that we need to explore and learn about, and there doesn't seem to be a class to do that in. And I'm telling you, I am here to give you some instruction. I've been on this earth a little while, maybe longer than you, but maybe not as long as you have, but I've spent it differently. That's for sure. Whatever you did in your life, I have done it slightly differently. So, well, why don't the things that you say sound very original? Zeitgeist is why it's absolutely impossible to completely step away from your culture. You are bound uh, to your cohort by a sort of invisible uh, cement of your limited capacity, your limited intellect as a human. And so it's very different to ever break away from uh, some sort of identities and experience. You see yourself a certain way. You have, um, like, you don't have to. Here's the thing. You don't have to have a favorite band. What's a favorite album? What's an album you could listen to every cut of? Nobody asks that in the wild. That's really not something, they all, you know, that's just something we choose. All these things are choices to be values. And so we'd have, we have commonality. And, you know, I think it's interesting, but it's certainly not the only way to do things. And gosh, you find that, um, well, are there different ways to do things? Yes. What are they? I'm not going to tell you because the people who tell you are often nuts and their way is stupid. So I'm not saying like, here's a good alternative to the culture. I'm just saying there's got to be just logically. There's got to be other ways of doing things. And I know that you can't really undo anything. And there's a certain momentum to the way we live and interact. And we are in the middle of a great story. And that story is like a torrent of, of, of narrative. It just keeps pouring. There's no way to stop it. You can't dam it up. You can't make it switch course. You can't do anything, really. You know, you can find a different way to surf it or something. You can... Uh, change your attitude towards it, but it just keeps on going and we feed it and the, the people who add to it disappear and aren't held accountable. <laughs> That's what I love. I want all the, I want some uh, people that put certain ideas into my head as a young person to answer for them, but they're long gone. So, so hey, Sherwood Schwartz, let's have a talk. I want to have a talk with you as much as I do Maimonides. You have had as much to do with shaping my worldview as have ancient religious texts in the past. 
I can run into somebody and they'll know Gilligan's Island better than the Bible, which is fine with me. I'm not saying, you know, it's, I'm just saying we've switched. So the people that are feeding us our new religious texts, you know, have uh, something to answer for, I think. What? I don't know. Just, you know, what are you doing? Well, we're used to it now, but, you know, it shapes us. And we just become, you say, well, how did that crazy, how did our crazy culture get to where it is right now? We imagined ourselves right into it. Everything that you see that seems wacky about the way we do things in public, we're going to think all of it appeared in our fiction long before it manifested itself. All of this is a product of our imaginations. We write it and then we do it. It's a very strange thing, isn't it? It's wonderful uh, that we have that much control over it. Oh, why aren't we writing good stuff? No clue. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I know that there is, I know there are people that have a vested interest in keeping all souls in a state of longing and a feeling of incompleteness because that is a key to power. If I can make you feel incomplete, I've got you. If I can make you feel like you need what I have, and even that's information, and even people encourage you to think for yourself, or sometimes they're selling you, think for yourself. That's strange, right? Um, so I don't say think for yourself so much. I don't even know what that means. I would just say be cognizant that you are in a group think. And then uh, do with that information what you will. And uh, I know we all get that sense because social media seems very, very, we understand what that is. Yeah, I just yell my thing. You yell your thing and I'll yell my thing. And we all just, and the mob just kind of, kind of moves around between yells. Let's go over here and listen to this guy. Let's go over here. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. I'm also here to provide sucker. Good old-fashioned sucker. All day. All night. And what is that? That is a, a, a relief, aid. That's what I'm offering. Is help. I want to take care of you. I want to... Uh, I want to lift up your heart a little bit if I can as a fellow human being and everything. I understand if I say, oh, Hardy, you can say anything. You have the microphone. Here's a big crowd of people. What are you going to say? And I have this dream all the time, except that it's real because I have a radio. I don't know how many people are listening, but I would do this. I would say, hello. Hey, listen, I'm nobody. Um, I'm Hardy White, but that's meaningless. It's meaningless who I am and what my background is and who I am, how I got here. That's all meaningless. The only thing that has meaning is I'm a living, I'm a living being. And because of that, I feel certain things. I feel, uh, the need to survive. I feel fear. I feel the need to be loved and wanted. I feel the need to be safe. I I, want to run from danger. Uh, I need, uh, uh, some consistency. I need food. I need water. I know that you do too. I know that it's very frightening uh, to be alive sometimes. And that when you don't have any of those things or some of those things only, it can be very challenging. I just want to say that as another human being, I believe that we can help one another. That by working together, uh, I can help you get what you need when you need it. And likewise, you can then reciprocate and help me. And then we all magically lift one another up that if we are enemies and that we fight one another, then we create a hell on earth and a suffering that is unimaginable. There is enough suffering inherent in the experience of being a biological creature. We do not need to make it worse by having our imaginary world impinge and deform uh, the real world. And so, please, do not make me your enemy. Do not imagine that I am some demon that needs to be extinguished, that my uh, needs are uh, corrupt. They're no 
different than yours is this thing is this on i would say to the crowd because there'd be silence and they'd be listening to my words and then they'd get they would have gotten bored because of that here's how i'm going to help myself i think it was the way i was saying them it was so flat I, i needed to say it like a like a fiery preacher or something you know I, I'm alive, that kind of thing like that. Get them, really get them going. But there was just so many, you know, everybody in the world. And I'm, I was kind of on the spot, you know. And so that's how I would, I would do it. If, oh, my friends, you're so patient with me. That's what I love. When you come here and spend some time with me on the radio, I know that if we're still speaking at this point, that you're the type of person that is able to uh, slow down enough that you can see and hear more. A lot of times we think that if we go to one of the movies or something, there's a lot going on, like all these explosions that we're actually seeing more. There seems to be more to see. Look at all the action. But you can't see all the action. That's the thing. It's like looking at a pile of ants. When there's that much action, you, you, you start to see nothing. If there's a single thing that you get to concentrate on for a while, you can begin to really see something. And then the world begins to open up and it becomes sort of more rich and complicated. And that's what we seek when we do drugs and everything. I'm going to be able to to look at things with fresh eyes. But you can. You can look at things with fresh eyes. You just have to adjust a couple things, you know, neurologically. And by slowing down or doing something that requires some patience or some concentration can absolutely transform the world. And so you realize that when people who read, why do you think people read? The, a book is uh, does that uh, like crazy. You know, you can really, you have the patience to read, and you have the patience to read something that's that's uh, that takes its time. You can really go places. Oh, I'm glad that you are going places with me. I'm glad that we travel together. We might even be literally traveling together. What if you have headphones on right now and you're sitting in a plane? You're sitting in a plane and you're flying somewhere, maybe that you've never been, but let's say it's far away and you're thinking, gosh, you know, I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit excited. I'm going somewhere far away. Maybe I'm going to Japan. I'm going to Europe or I'm in Europe and I'm going to the United States or I'm in... uh, uh, you know, somewhere in the United States and I'm going to Florida and I'm terrified. Or you say, oh, you know, one of those places. I don't know where you're traveling. But it's kind of an adventure. And you think, well, you only live once and I really want to see the world with new eyes. I want to see things I haven't seen before to get feelings that maybe I can get them at home, but maybe I'm used to it. Maybe it's going to take something like Anchor Watt to snap my brain into another dimension. I'm not saying go to Cambodia, but I am saying that you are on a plane going somewhere. Cleveland. Okay, Cleveland. There's nothing wrong with that. Pittsburgh. Love Pittsburgh. Neighbors are moving to Pittsburgh. I have neighbors I like, and they live next door, and uh, one of them's a doctor, and they got a doctoring job in Pittsburgh. And I'm, I said to them the other day, I said, I, I'm sad about your moving, but you, you belong in Pittsburgh. You're wonderful people. It's a great place. So we all know that. And, uh, but I don't know where you're traveling right now. Maybe you're just sitting in your apartment. I'm sitting in my apartment making noodles, Hardy, and listening to you. I love it. Oh, we could... Absolutely preserve it in amber. It would be awful. No, that's what we don't want it to preserve in amber. We want it to rot. We want it to grow old and decay. We want to watch it. We're going to watch it the whole time. We don't want anything frozen like that. Mmm, no, it's going to be fresh. This is going to be fresh all the time. 
I love talking with you and have for years. We've been together for years, some of us. And I, I, uh, how can that be? Why are you still here? Because we've got a good thing going, I think. You know, I think we have a very good thing going. There's just a lot. Here's why I like it. First of all, I have a romantic relationship with broadcast radio. I love waves. I love light. I love being, I love the idea that I am electromagnetic radiation. I'm not putting down the internet. It's great, but it's a closed loop. This ain't a closed loop. This is being shot into the vast reaches of the universe. And I love it. And I would love it. I would love it if it disappeared. I'm glad there's an archive, but I don't need archives. I make bread. Bread's to be eaten and turned into poo. And that's what everything I say to you. Turn it into a mental poo. Get what you need out of it. And then move on. You don't have to remember things. You don't have to remember characters or catchphrases or anything. Just take the pure essence of it out. Take the vitamins for your soul out of it. Then you can forget my name even. I don't even care. Oh, I love it. It's this moment that I value. And I know you're feeling it because I'd be loving it all. Oh, who is this speaking to me? I'd be thinking. This is crazy. I'm going to, oh, I wish, I'm glad there's no voices like this. Because that wouldn't make it strange and odd if every voice was like that. If I was just listening to yet another, I'm here on the radio and I'm angry. Or, or even if I wasn't angry. If I was just same. The same as every other one. You're listening to the radio. All radio, all the time. All night and all day. Your radio, the way that you want it. Smooth radio, all the time. Hard and smooth. It's cool, hot radio, all night long. You're listening to the radio. Welcome to the world of radio. You're on it. You're in it. Welcome to it. Radio. World of the world of radio. And I'm in it. And you're in it. And we're in it together. Oh! Oh, there's people that howl. That's, uh, that's so funny. Because, like, uh, Wolfman Jack used to howl. And I'm not even the first person to howl. Oh, there's nothing new under the sun. That's why you have to go on top of the sun, where there's all the new stuff is up there. They bring it down gradually and put it under here. But I have access to the... I, have, I know where it's coming from. Stuff that goes into a black hole, it comes out. Where does it come out? My basement. And it comes out very concentrated, just goes into my brain. But my brain is connected to a black hole at the reaches of the universe that's sucking everything into it. And thank goodness it's not the same size. It's obliterated first, you know, and it's just beamed into my head as, um, I don't know what you'd call them, like, you, you would say, you're, you humans would say vibrations or... I'm just being silly. Yeah, I hope there's not a black hole in my, in my head. My grandfather would have said there was. There's something in your head. There's something that should be in there that isn't in there. Well, he loved me. He was just frustrated that I was stupid. I don't blame him. You know, he was probably projecting too or something. But who knows? But I love I, I, I like that kind of... I love you so much that I'm going to make you miserable. And I understand it now. I didn't at the time, you know. But maybe, maybe you understand more now as you get older. Listening. Oh, my goodness. I've gone a little bit over here. I'm going to go over. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope 91.9 in Rockland County, and online at WFMU.org worldwide. Oh, Freeform Radio, the way you love it, Freeform Radio. Oh, my goodness. This is Hardy White. I'll see you again next week.
Twins name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. 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 I love the touch of time. 